and that you speak. And I just pray that there's that one heart in here that needs to hear this today. Move in that person's heart, Lord. And just bring them home. I pray that through your Son, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. How many of you love going home? And when I say going home, I'm talking about not necessarily where you live right now, but somewhere that's so special to you. Somewhere that maybe the, the place of your past, maybe you have ancestors, you have family, maybe your childhood was there. And for me, I have a place like that. It's my mom and dad's land. And when I go back there, it brings back not just the memories uh, of being a young man there, but I sense something there that is even greater than that when I go back. Um, one particular place that was really special to me, we actually, it, it was tore down a few years ago, uh, was my great-grandfather's barn. He had one of those old um, solid wood um, siding barns. And I can remember going up into this barn and uh, it was just surreal. It's like I could feel my roots. I could feel where I came from and, and who I was and how I came about when I would go to this place. You could walk through the, brown, the barn and I could literally close my eyes right now and tell you every corner that I would turn and map it out in my mind. But one of the most surreal things was I could look and see tools laying in there that I knew his hands had probably placed 60 years ago and they had never moved from that spot. There was something satisfying, there was something restoring about going back into that barn. Um, I would manage to bring out some of his old um, one-man plows and a few other things that reminded me of where I came from. And it was just satisfying knowing that that, that area, that property, uh, when you count, account for my son, it would be five generations that I know of. I didn't know my great-great-grandfather Joshua Smith that were there, was there. But it reminded me of who I was and what I was and where I came from. And I want to... Um, I want to touch base on something very special. And you've heard me speak about this before. And I keep hearing the word restoration, restoration, restore. I've heard it all, all week long when I was preparing this. And I've heard it today from people that had no idea what I was going to talk about. I expect it. This is the way the Holy Spirit works. He's, he pre-plans these things and he works them out beautifully. But I want to talk about something that just a few weeks ago uh, is very similar to what Kirk had talked about. Kirk had talked about in Israel the seventh Sabbath, the seventh Sabbath year. When you remember, if you remember the sermon, he would talk about the year, the sixth year, um, they were told not to, that they would be given enough to provide for a seventh year of rest where the land wouldn't be planted and the land would not be harvested. But they said to, they were told to rely on God and that they would be able to have enough for two years. Well, you've heard me speak about this before. I want to touch on the year of Jubilee. And for those of you that don't remember the year of Jubilee and what it was about, just real briefly, um, could we pull up the verse out of Leviticus? I want to touch base with that. And the year of Jubilee was part of this seven cycles of seven. And it said the following year, which would be 49 plus 1, which would be the 50th year, God would do this in Israel. And it was very important. I want to read this real quick. Count off, count off the seven Sabbath years. 
seven times seven years, so that the seventh Sabbath year amounted to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpets sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month of the Day of Atonement. Sound the trumpet throughout the land. Consecrate the fifth year and proclaim it a liberty throughout the land and to its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family's property and to your own clan. The fifth year shall the fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow, do not reap what grows of itself or harvest harvest the unintended vines. For it is a jubilee and is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. In this year of jubilee, everyone is to return to their own property. Now, what this was about was not about the land. This was about restoration. This was something that was very special for Israel. And it's something that we learned everyone needed. Could I have the map real quick, Colt? And I'm going to just touch on this briefly because I want you to understand that all this is foreshadowing of things to come and foreshadowing of things in your own personal life. If you look up here, let's just use an example. Um, say you had sold years ago your great-great-grandfather's land. In the year of Jubilee, which was every 50th year, it would be given back to you. So if you was out of um, let's just say the tribe of Dan or the tribe of Judah or Reuben, you were given that back. You were given back what you came from. Your debts were forgiven. People were, were essentially let out of slavery, even out of prison. There was a great restoration in the land during the land of during the days of the Jubilee. This is something that still goes on and God still worked miraculously. Um, if you follow a little bit of history, um, God is still working in amazing ways through the year of Jubilee. In 1917, there was a war where Britain actually gave back Israel a large portion of land. Fifty years later, in 1967, um, was the Six-Day War. And if you read about it, Israel faced um, annihilation. They had enemies on all sides. They were outnumbered something around three to one. The world was looking for this possibly to be the end of Israel. And people were wondering if this wasn't the end of days. And in true God-like fashion of the Old Testament, God annihilated them in six days. They destroyed the enemy. And out of that, a large portion of the Golan Heights was given to Israel. He still works this way. We go 50 years forward. We come into uh, something that amazing happened in the year, which our calendar is different than the Jewish calendar, the year 17, 2017, 2018. Uh, be proud that your country played a part in this. We restored the capital of Israel when we named our embassy to rest in Jerusalem. Amen. This was worldwide restoration of Israel when we managed to do this. This was something so significant. I believe that there is going to be even greater things that are going to come. This is only a foreshadowing of things that would come in the future. Now, for years, I struggled a little bit with this. When you look in the Old Testament, I, uh, I was exposed to some Judaism. And it was really kind of a dangerous time in my life because I didn't understand it. I thought, God, why, why did you do this every 50 years? Why did you make them 
repeat over and over all the things that you made them repeat uh, from the Passover to the Feast of the Trumpets to the Feast of the Tabernacles. Why did you make them eat kosher food? Am I supposed to be eating kosher food? This was a dangerous part in my life where I was really struggling with what I believed. And for some reason, I had a little bit of trouble. I, had a little, I, I felt like really if anything was to ever test my faith of where it began... It was this, because I couldn't seem to make the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament come together. The covenants seemed like such a mismatch to me, but God revealed something over time to me. He showed me the importance that Israel was the eternal witness to the world. Do you understand? God would use Israel from the beginning to the end to witness all his characteristics, his love, his compassion, his forgiveness, his grace, all these things would be witnessed through Israel. So for Israel to be watched and the eyes of the world to be on Israel, they had to be different. If they'd have been like anybody else, no one would have paid attention to them. Do you know what's going on in Russia today? Do you know what's going on in uh, Ecuador today? No, you don't because for the most part, they're like the rest of the world. God made them holy and different to set them apart so that the world would constantly watch every single move that they make. And what I learned is not only was Israel the eternal witness to the world, God put them in there because they was a reflection of my heart. They was a reflection of your heart. See, every time Israel would fall away, God would have to restore them and bring them back. He was reminding them this by the year of Jubilee, that they needed restoration. They had to be reminded to be rest restored. They had to be reminded to come back to where they were at one time with God. This is why what our church is doing right now is so important. We have people that need restored. And if we're a loving, caring church, we have a lot of people that put a lot into this. Kirk's one of them. Nikki's one of them. I'll tell you now, Marcus and Stephanie, they invest a lot. And let me tell you, it can get spiritually exhausting. They have to have a time of restoration. They have to have their jubilee moments. What happens if you don't have that? We see it in the life of David. Why do you think David was there? Think about it. King David was given the greatest honor of anyone when God said, David has a heart after my heart. Think if God said that about you. Think what that would do to you. Would you not just be... Amazed, like God says, I have a heart after his heart. He was given the highest of high honors. Consider David in this. He's the shepherd boy. He's dancing before, the God, before God. He's blowing him kisses. He's writing him love letters. This was David's heart. We follow David. David come onto the scene with one of the most drastic, awesome victories ever when he slays Goliath. He goes through the running from Saul, but ends up in the end leading a fighting force of 30 men that were what I would like to kind of call SEAL Team 6 on steroids with superpowers. <laughs> That's the only way you could describe these guys. David was the leader of this group. Everybody that went up against him got demolished. These men single-handedly, one at a time, would kill hundreds if not thousands on their own. This is David. But then what happens to David? Obviously, there were some wounds there. David needed restored. He never was. And we see David make the mistake that so many of us had. He ends up sleeping with his best friend's wife, and then he gets her pregnant, and he tries to hide it from everyone and conspires for his murder. 
and he gets exposed. And we see the rest of David's life pleading for restoration from God, pleading to go back to where he was with God. The rest of David's life is spent pursuing because David was not tended to when he needed it at that time. And God put that in there for a reason. Because like I said, Israel's a reflection of my heart and your heart. Your heart's a reflection of David's heart. And David's heart was a reflection of Israel. See, it's a three-way triangle there. We needed restoration. We needed that healing and he didn't get it. And we see the rest of David's life pursuing that. We don't want this to happen in our church. That's why we take the time to do this. We don't want people to fall the way that David fell, right? Can I bring up um, Psalms 51? I want you to hear David's heart in this, okay? This is after David did it, and he's pleading out for restoration, for a healing. He says, God, create me a pure heart, O God, and remove, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is what we need. How many of you are at a point in your life right now where you look back and you see you've drifted a long way from that anchor? That anchor that you had at one time. And every one of us has this point in our life. You remember the place where you were just right with God. You felt like, this is where it's at, God. I'm right where I'm supposed to be with you. You were like Israel. When Israel went into that, those territories and were given those, you know that when they walked in, there wasn't a thing they had to do. Those fields were planted, ready to eat. The houses were built. Everything God had for them. I wouldn't be surprised if their beds were made when they walked into those houses. I mean, that was what God did. When they came in, you can read about it in Joshua, things were right and they were following God. Each one of us goes through that, do we not? We have that place where we were right and then we find ourselves far, far away. What brings us far away? It could be sin in our life. We feel like, man, I've done too much. I'm too far gone. You may feel that you're just inferior in some way. I don't know enough. I, these guys, that you know, they talk about this stuff and I don't... I don't know all the stuff about the Bible. I, I can't comprehend it. It could just be spiritual pressure. Let me tell you, it's pressure to have to come up here and give a message every week. You don't think David's experienced spiritual pressure before his fall? I mean, he's leading, like I said, the most elite fighting force for one of the greatest nations of the time. That's a lot of pressure on somebody. You need to be restored on a regular basis. You have to be willing to do this so you don't fall. Right? After we hear David's cries for restoration, and we know that Israel required the same thing, I believe that all this stuff was just a foreshadowing of things to come. Um, God likes to use not just Israel in our own personal hearts. But all these things a lot of times are foreshadowing of things to come in the end of times. You see, God talks about a great restoration when the new Jerusalem comes down. All this is keys that God is giving to us. How we're going to be restored. 
how the world is going to be restored. If you could, could you bring up uh, Ezekiel 36, 24? This is the prophecy of the end of times by Ezekiel, Ezekiel about the nation of Israel. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will clean you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Do you see the similarities? It's the same cry that David cried. It's the same thing that was going on in Israel. And I know it's the same thing you've said over and over in your life when you've got too far away from God. You've cried out. And this is the powerful part of it. Some people want to preach that we don't need to keep our eyes on Israel anymore because the church has replaced them. That replacement theory is garbage. I want to explain it to you like this. The church today, I want you to picture as a flock of sheep and Israel as another flock of sheep. They have one shepherd on a hillside. And as the sheep come together, they are blended together. The same shepherd now governs both sheep. They are all one now. You, church, are Israel, are a part of Israel. You have been adopted. The royal blood of the king flows through your veins now. You have to understand that. You have to be restored. You must be restored. The beauty of it is, is that this wasn't just an Old Testament theme. When we look at Jesus' life and the people Jesus spoke most to, he was talking about restoration and healing. One of the most beautiful um, parables, the one that speaks to me the most, was the parable of the prodigal son. It's a beautiful display of God's healing, forgiveness, and power. How many of you have been that prodigal son? You found yourself far, far from home. And you've said, I'm too dirty to come home. I've done too much. You know, there came a time when after he had squandered his wealth on the prostitutes and the wild living, that he was in that trough and he had to lift his head up and say, I want to go home. I need to be restored. I have to go home. How many of you have been that prodigal? And you say, I just don't know how. There's nothing that you will do for this restoration. God will do it all. Just like Israel coming back and being reminded and fully restored and how we'll be fully restored in the end of times, that's how He can touch you and He can heal you. There's nothing you can do. The Bible says there's nothing you can do to separate His love from you. Nothing. Nothing. If you look at Judaism and Jewish culture, the amount of healing that He received was unbelievable. You know that if He had done what He did... There was not a good Jewish girl out there that would have married him. And if he managed to find one that would marry him and have a child with, you know that that son would have carried the shame of what his father's done? And that grandson would have carried the shame of what that father had done 
for the rest of their life. There would have been no woman that would have married them. He would have had so much shame. How many of you have felt that way from your past? How many of you feel, have felt like it'll always be on me? There's no way you can just clean me as white as snow like you say, God. It's always there. But see, when that prodigal son got up and started to walk home and all those people came out of the houses around to watch, all those glares of judgment and, and ridicule, they had to turn those high-powered eyes back on their self when they seen that father run down that road, didn't they? Because when he wrapped his arms around that son, when he kicked those sandals off and ran with that gown flapping in the wind and wrapped his arms around him and kissed his cheek, he was fully restored. There was nothing. Not just that, his legacy was restored. Every son of his could walk with their chin up again. Every grandson the same. That is how our God restores. That is how our God heals. How many of you out there today want that? How many of you have desired that in this church? A full restoration. A bringing back to where God intended us to be. Where we were always supposed to be. There's a road to that. And there's a path to that. And I think that we've started moving on that road. But it's more than just a church. It's for you as an individual. If there's anybody out there that thinks that they're too far gone, I want you to know it's a lie from hell. There's absolutely nothing that can stop you from coming to Him. As soon as you turn around, He's going to run to you so fast. He's going to run to you so quick. You just have to turn and start that walk to Him. This is the way our God restores. Now I want to take a minute and I want to do something a little different. I want a group uh, exercise. What I want, I want you to close your eyes. And let me tell you, if I see anybody's eyes open, I'm going to set you out in front of the group that you think you're too cool to do this. So I better not see the whites of any eyes because I will say your name and everybody will know that you... Seriously, my eyes are closed now. I want you to picture yourself. I want you to picture your life. I want to picture you wearing that shame from all the things that's been in your past. I want you to see a long road out in front of you. I want you to meditate on you walking that road. And I want you to see the people coming out looking at you, all the shame that you feel from that past. And off in the distance, you see that home that we talked about, that place that was special to you, the place where you're supposed to be. You know it like the back of your hand. It's where you want to be, but you feel so far away from it right now. And you're walking towards it. I want you to meditate on that door opening and your Heavenly Father stepping out. And He sees you. And He's running to you. And now you're running to Him. And He throws His arms around you. He kisses your cheek. 
There's nobody that can hold their glares on you. They're going inside now because they know and you know that you're His. You're restored. You're back where you began. Keep your eyes closed. If you want that, raise your hand. Keep those hands up. Eyes closed. I want in your heart, you just tell God, here I am, restore me. Bring me back to where I was. Place in me a new heart. Teach me your laws. Put me in the place where you had me and where you want me. I'm coming home, Dad. Put your hands out. Lord, Heavenly Father, there's somebody out here that feels like they've done too much. They feel like they're too far gone to be restored, to be brought back, to be given back all that they lost. God, let them know today's the day to come home. Today's the day to be put where they are supposed to be. To be right with you. Lord, let them know there's nothing that can separate them from the love of Christ. There's nothing that they can work on. Nothing they can give back. They have nothing to give to Him but to come home. That's all they have. The only thing they'll ever have is, as Paul said, making their life a living sacrifice. From this day forth, Lord, they're restored and living for You. There's somebody out there that needs to hear that. There's somebody I'm speaking directly to. You can go there. You can do it. The same offer for you is the offer that was there for me. And let me tell you, I've been far from home. But he's restoring me. And he's putting me back. And he'll do the same for you. You just have to ask him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand and we'll sing.